What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, as usual, Vinny Iyer, and I am pleased to break down the running backs now. We've already looked at the position-by-position position draft strategies you should employ in 2016 overall. We took a dive at the quarterbacks, and now the running backs, uh, the forgotten position all of a sudden, no, just kidding there, but it seems like they're undervalued here. And, and at Sporting News, I get a chance to see a lot of running backs up close in action, and I really think uh, there are still a lot of special guys that are in this league, and I think because of the wide receiver sense that we're going to have in a lot of drafts early, there's going to be some good values emergent running back. We saw that last year. I think it's going to be the case this year, but there's still some studs there, and I think what I'd like to do to help you guys with your draft is break down the tiers of these running backs, and when you look at the top, there's a change at the top. you got to go with the young guys, the fresh legs, and We'll dive right into that, and with Todd Gurley going into his second season, he was outstanding last year. No one thought that he would come back as well from that knee injury, but he showed he was a freak and why he was drafted in the top ten by the Rams. And now he's moving out to L.A. He's going to have a little bit more juice. The Eric Dickerson sensation feeling is out there, and he's definitely the number one fantasy running back. But he's not alone in that first tier. I, I think you look at Gurley – He's going to be heavily involved. The Rams are going to run a lot with Jared Goff. He's going to get more work in the passing game, and that's the key. That's the thing is a young guy that's going to be fresh legs and give you a lot through three downs. So that's what Gurley does, and he's the best of that group, so that's why he's number one. And that's why David Johnson is number two of Arizona. Just had a chance to see him out in the Cardinals training camp. He looks very good, and he should because he scored a lot. He was a big, powerful red zone runner, but he was also a big-time receiver, a converted receiver from a northern Iowa. So you look at him last year. He came on strong. He's going to be the guy here in Arizona. You look at Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington. They're more change-of-pace guys. So David Johnson is clearly my number two because he's versatile. He's going to help you in PPR, and he's going to finish in the red zone. I think number three for me, and a lot of people are taking this guy high right now who are drafting, Ezekiel Elliott. The hype is just off the charts with the Cowboys rookie. Everyone thinks he's going to be the real deal, and he should be. I mean, Darren McFadden came into this running situation, blocking, and really took off and was a very viable fantasy producer. Elliott is a much more complete back. He's younger and he's going to get a lot of work on this team. So 
young guys that come in, you got to trust them right away at this position because they're ready to take on that work. So you got Gurley and Johnson, two second-year guys, and Elliott, a rookie, and you shouldn't hesitate. And don't worry about experience at this position. These are the guys that you want at the top there. And I, I think that, to me, ends kind of the first tier because then start to come the question marks. And you start with Adrian Peterson. I think a lot of people may have him as number two or number three. For me, he's teetering on number four or five. I'll tell you why. I think Peterson, you look at him, definitely the Vikings are going to lean heavily on him still. I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater in that passing game, even with some more weapons. They're, they're still going to be a run-heavy team. Peterson's going to do everything for them. But keep in mind with running backs who hit his age, that 30 years old, the decline can be sharp and sudden. And he's kind of defied that a little bit with just, first of all, incredible body and being able to recover from major knee injury and have no issues with that. But he's also got a recent break in his career from a couple of years ago that he didn't play any part, really, of the season. And that gave him a break that kind of maybe delayed the inevitable with his workload and how hard he runs. You just have to be wary of that a little bit. And that's why I little shy away from him a little bit because he's still very productive and he's still a stud there. But I still would tend to lean with the younger guys. The next guy, I think, is Lamar Miller because you look at his usage in Miami, criminally underused. Criminally is a great word for it because every time he would have a big game running and catching the ball and reeled off five-plus yards per carry, somehow the Dolphins would forget about him and throw way too often and take him off the field. So that's what I look at with Lamar Miller in Houston, that they're going to treat him like Aaron Foster was a few years ago. He's going to be the feature runner. He's going to be in the passing game. I know there's some buzz about Tyler Irvin, but Lamar Miller got a big contract that running backs usually don't midway through their career to be that type of guy in Houston. And Houston's going to run the ball a lot. I, Brock Osweiler, there's been some good things about him, but there's still some question marks beyond DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver tight end. So Lamar Miller, to me, is entrenched there. So I think Peterson and Miller. And then Le'Veon Bell, to me, we have to see about the suspension and how that plays out. But, again, relatively young guy, has been saved a little bit of mileage by injury, unfortunately, and that's maybe why some people are down on him. But you look at him a couple years ago in the passing game, just strong runner as well. You like the guys that score and finish, and with Bell, he's a great PPR guy as well. So I think Bell would be a little bit higher if that suspension wasn't hanging on him or the durability wasn't there either as an issue. So I think you have to look at Bell right there in that second tier. Devonta Freeman and Jamal Charles are an interesting couple of guys here because both of them are going to be pushed here for time. And Charles already saw it when he went on the shelf that you could have Charkandrick West and Spencer Ware, former committee, and really uh, produce as a tandem there. So they're going to find ways to get those guys on the field, keep Charles's legs a little fresher. He's getting up there as well. That 30 is just around the corner. He's had some injuries. He He's bound to slow down at some point. He's been outstanding, always shooting over five yards a carry. But 
you just wait, and th- that's the thing about these guys is they look good, and then all of a sudden they can drop off. So I have less concern with Charles because there are a couple guys there in West and Ware that can make sure that he's got that dynamic ability still left in him, and the Chiefs are aware of this. So with Peterson, I think he could just hit a wall and fall all the way down. With Charles, uh, I think the Chiefs have known to build in some things to keep him a little bit more effective. With Devontae Freeman, he's getting a different type of push. I know he was a scoring machine, surprisingly, for the Falcons. Uh, they were able to run the ball in the red zone very well, and Freeman was the big beneficiary of that. And now he's being pushed by Tevin Coleman, and that worries some. I, th- I think you have to factor that in because they want to get Coleman on the field. The Falcons' current regime is the one who brought in Coleman, Freeman, I think, maybe surprised a lot with the way he was able to go take that job running, maybe motivated by Coleman being in there last year and drafted. So I'd just be wary with him and and Jamal Charles is that I think you want to make sure if you're going to get those guys, get the other guy as well. I think with Charles's case, I would maybe go after Spencer Ware because he still can give you some scoring potential, maybe if you need a flex in a certain week that you can play him over West. I think West is maybe a p- pure backup to Charles. Well, if you're a Freeman guy, I think you have to get Coleman a little later as well because you know somebody else in your league is going to outsmart you and do that. And just like it was flipped last year when people took Coleman ahead of Freeman and the Freeman guy had the last lap. So I, th- I think that's one thing you have to keep in mind if you take those guys. Now, Doug Martin, he had an outstanding year. There's a little bit of concern there because Charles Sims definitely eats up into a lot of his touches. He doesn't give you much in the passing game. He didn't score as much as he liked Martin, that is. So that's all the things you have to weigh about Doug Martin. And, yeah, I think he's a solid RB1. I just wouldn't go nuts over him. I I think this is the stretch here, the Charles Freeman, Martin, and then I'm going to throw LaShawn McCoy in there that – I think these guys will be overdrafted a bit because people will go after those wide receivers early. They'll be saying, oh, I better get one of these RB1s that I feel is going to put up big numbers, and then they'll scramble to take these guys where I think there's some values a little bit later. So you have to balance it out. You have to see what you do early. If you get Gurley, Johnson, or Elliott, you're going to obviously go wide receiver probably in the second round. So you have to weigh where you started from and what you need. And the worst thing to do is have to reach for running back because that's why they've been devalued because there's committees and there's a lot of values later. So you just have to be careful with that. I would prefer then going after the tier with Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy, and CJ Anderson. I think those three guys are next for me. They're very similar in terms of their situations and Mark Ingram He's proved that he can do a lot more than to be a power runner now. He gets involved in the passing game. The Saints are going to score a lot. I think maybe the touchdowns might be down because there's a few more guys for Drew Brees to throw to in that scoring position. But Ingram is going to give you solid production. It's not going to be dazzling, but it's going to be pretty steady. Eddie Lacy, I think, has a rebound year, and C.J. Anderson as well. I think they're good, complete runners. They're going to be out there a lot in scoring position. Two pretty good teams overall. I think 
the Packers balance will help Lacey well the Broncos volume will help Anderson because he's gonna have to be a big factor of that quarterback situation so Lacey and Anderson have both looked pretty good kind of a restoring their status as RB1s that they've been in the past so I, I would say this Ingram Lacey Anderson tier is a lot more interesting to me than Doug Martin LaShawn McCoy in that sense so I, I think if you are able to somehow get two wide receivers or wide receiver and Gronk in those first two rounds and one of those three guys slips to you in round three I think you have to make that move then I, I think you have to look at another couple guys that are similar to me that's Carlos Hyde and Thomas Rawls I think there's a little bit of boom or bust here and they're related to the same things injuries Carlos Hyde has had a lot of issues with his foot Thomas Rawls has had a slow recovery from his ankle other than that, you look at the situations here, the 49ers backfield, the Seahawks backfield, there's a chance to dominate touches here and be on the field a lot. Their teams saw what they can do when they're healthy. So you're taking a calculated risk with these guys. That's why they fall a little behind some of the other younger guys that I mentioned near at the top. So that's what you need to consider. But I think if you're a little bit aggressive and – some people are devaluing these guys because of those same reasons. Fourth round, if one of those guys slips, you jump on them for sure. Now it starts to get a little interesting after that. And I think ideally you want to have one of those about uh, 15 guys I mentioned to be your RB1. Because I, I think maybe it stretches to this guy in Latavius Murray. So if you put 16 and you're in a 12-team league, then you should have a shot at one of these guys as your RB1. If you fall out of this and you go wide receiver, heavy and too crazy, and you don't get one of these guys, I think you're going to be a little disappointed because I think there's just a fall. Latavius Murray, he, he's kind of teetering on the edge of that upper group and falling into the lower group. I think it's good that he's had a good training camp because DeAndre Washington is there. They want to get him involved. They know that Murray was a little overworked and he lost some effectiveness last year. So Washington on third downs potentially will help Murray, I think, in this offense. And I think the offense will be better all around for him. And that will keep his production pretty steady. So I think this is about where there's that real drop-off because – Next you have Jonathan Stewart. You know if he's going to hold up again. I know he had a great season helping the Panthers get to the Super Bowl, but you always wonder when that's going to happen with him. He's kind of uh, been working the other way to avoid those injuries, but you've, you always think that it might go the other way at any point. But Matt Forte, he's not healthy right now. The Jets, again, it's an older running back into a timeshare there with now Kyrie Robinson, so I would stay away from him. Jeremy Hill, I think of this group here that has the upside, he's still going to be in a clear timeshare with Giovanni Bernard. They have to do it that way because Hill and Bernard have specific skill sets that the Bengals would be crazy not to have them in different roles. They're going to sometimes share the backfield at times, and especially during the season. I think Hill, I would put an arrow up in this range because – a lot of people are going to be looking at last year, disappointed with the production, but Tyler Eifert is going to miss some time for sure. And when Eifert's out, Hill usually picks up the slack in the red zone and is going to get more opportunities to score. So 
He still scored, I think, 12 touchdowns last year. He upped the touchdown total as his yardage went down. So with Jeremy Hill, I, I think you can have a rebound. I would just look at him ahead of Forte and Stewart and some other guys that, that are going to be mentioned here. DeMarco Murray, again, I get it. T- Tennessee, it's a better situation. They want to run the ball a lot. But my issue with Murray is that Derrick Henry is having a great training camp. He's Murray just losing touches here. There's also Dexter McCluster on third downs. I just don't have much confidence him in him in a good situation to Philadelphia. Really let things down when he got the big money. I think he's hanging on barely, and it's not a high upside offense anyway. I don't know if they'll be in scoring position a lot, and Henry might get those chances. So you got to keep that in mind here. When you look down, then it just gets really ugly after this. So in some ways, if you get the two running backs somewhat early, you do a running back, wide receiver, running back type of deal in the draft, then you're going to have an advantage because it really kind of falls here with some of the things that are going on. Deion Lewis, he's not healthy yet. It's hard to trust him in – New England with a lot of options there. I know he's a dynamic player, but he's also a little bit fragile, and there are some options there that can pick up the slack and a lot of mouths to feed. So you can't really trust him week in, week out. Ryan Matthews, he's already hurt in Philadelphia. Darren Sproles is looking like their best running back. Wendell Smallwood is there. I think you avoid him. Matt Jones, there's a lot of things to like about him in Washington is the clear-cut number one, but he had some fumbling issues, and the there's some uh, guys pushing him and uh, Keith Marshall. So you got to be careful about that situation. I think he's more of a committee back than you think. Frank Gore is too old for me. I think if you're going to bump up a guy, Bernard, you can move him up next to Hill. I think they're very similar in value. I think Bernard is the better PPR option. So I, I think maybe Bernard is undervalued. A couple guys I don't like in that second-year category, Jeremy Lankford and Melvin Gordon. I don't like the way things are working in Chicago with Jordan Howard, Jaquiz Rogers, Kadeem Carey, and Lankford is not looking like a feature back here. So I would avoid him. Melvin Gordon, I know he's got a fullback now. He's old fullback Chris Watt from Wisconsin, but I need to see a lot more. And and you look at the built-in things in San Diego's offense. Danny Woodhead is going to be on the field a lot in third down, and Gordon value has to come on those early downs and he has to score which he really couldn't do last year so I would rather take Woodhead a few spots later and prolong him in Duke Johnson I would put a bullet next to his name I think yeah there are some nice high hopes for him I think he's great in a PPR I think he's a great RB2 for that purpose but I think the jury's still out if he's going to be more than that with Isaiah Crowell also doing good things there Aaron Foster, this the age and everything scares me there. I know it's a good situation technically in Miami, but Jay Ajayi is there. It's hard to trust a guy coming off a major injury and that old and has quite a bit of workload on his resume. I'll I'll just highlight a few sleepers here that I like further down. I think Chris Ivory is someone that you have to look at in Jacksonville. They want to run the ball in the red zone. They're co-number one starters right now, him and TJ Yeldon. I like Ivory a little bit better because he's coming off the better year and he has more touchdown upside there. 
I think if I go down a little further, I, I mentioned Henry and Coleman as guys to watch. Charles Sims is a guy that you would maybe have a flex in a PPR type league. Going deeper, I think it really dries up, but the guy that you have to watch for is Terrence West. He's back home in Baltimore. He's a Towson product. He's really stood out for the Ravens. I think the buzz is real about him being their best running back. Justin Forsett, another old back who's added some mileage and now has a major injury. So I think you have to pay attention to that situation because the Ravens don't have much in the passing game right now. A lot of things are in flux, tight ends, injuries at wide receivers. So I think that's what makes him one of my favorite sleepers there. Going beyond that, I think you have to fall into the flyer range and guys that you think might have a chance to break out in a good situation. I think Smallwood, I mentioned earlier in Philadelphia, you look for Josh Ferguson behind Frank Gore with the Colts. And then it really gets thin at this position. So that's why you look at running back and, yeah, you want to go for the wide receiver first and think about that uh, very heavily unless you're in a position to take Gurley, Johnson, Elliott, maybe even Peterson there. But in the end, these are still the backbone of your team. And I think I think overall, because you have to start three wide receivers in a league, that's why you have to take a few more at the top to uh, really round out your team. And running back is only two. But check your rules. If you only have to start two wide receivers and you're non-PPR, you really have to lean more to running back than you think. So there are different ways to look at drafts. There's no right way in terms of when you should take the running back or wide receiver. But I think, as I mentioned, you want to make sure you have a solid RB1 to go to this year. And then you can maybe take flyers on guys and hope that somebody stands out as an RB2, kind of rotate there. So that's another way to look at it. But make sure you get one of those top 16 guys and don't fall out of that. So that's our look at running backs, our deep dive, and uh, thanks for listening. And make sure you listen to all the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have Matt Williamson does Locked On NFL 12 other teams are in the mix. I think a couple more are on the way. So make sure you listen to those podcasts and make sure you keep coming back for some good fantasy advice. We'll be here every weekday throughout the season. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.